This morning, I'm going to talk about standing firm. Ephesians chapter 6, if you've got a copy of the scriptures, you can open there. It's verses 10 through 20. This is a passage that's very uh, profound, very powerful. I've read it a number of times in my life. I've stated it. I've preached on it. And I feel like during the passage series, we should probably go up there and talk about standing firm. I want to set up the illustration this way, that when I think about standing firm, I was uh, thinking about uh, when we have these pirates on the seas and they overtake uh, vessels, sometimes small vessels, small yachts, sometimes big ships. And the reason is some of these ships, some of these boats, some of these yachts, they leave port and they're absolutely defenseless when they leave. So then the pirates can come in with whatever stuff they have, their arsenal, and they kind of take over. And, and I thought about for us, there's like a spiritual piracy going on. And if you don't have armor, if you don't, aren't really prepared to defend yourself, you fall victim to piracy. You fall victim to demonic warfare. You fall victim to the devil. You fall victim to what the devil would love to oppose into your life. And my prayer is in just this short message today that God will elevate us. He'll lift up the church. He'll, he'll speak to our hearts. He'll encourage us. He'll teach us something new about his name. But this spiritual struggle that the apostle paul talks about it's not against flesh and blood so many times we think our flesh we think our battle is against our spouse we think it's against our wife we think it's against our husband it is not now they might be uh, a manifestation of some <laughs> wicked activity sometime but it's really not a, a fight against them it's not against the i don't know about you but sometimes do telemarketers aggravate you they're, they're really not the devil incarnate they just act like it okay and, and maybe some of you do it for a living so i, I that's probably a bad example. Uh, may, maybe your boss, you think, my boss must be the devil. Well, I hope not, because I happen to be a boss for some people, and I hope they don't call me, he's the devil when he's not on stage. But here's the deal. We it's not funny. But we fight not against flesh and blood, and the church said. But we act like it, because, man, that's got a face on it. And oh, I'm going to fight it. And even this horrible, horrendous act in Colorado. It was acted out with flesh and blood, but it's much higher. It's a principality of demonic power. Would you agree, church? It was horrible. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm so glad we have the gift of prayer, and we'll talk about prayer a little later. But I want you to go ahead and begin to fill in lines with me. Number one, the first blank, our enemy is spiritual. This is a, a spiritual enemy. It's not a physical enemy. And we know. I just met a new family today from Korea in the Air Force, and we've got so many visits, and we had so many that just moved, and we got new ones coming in. And I'm grateful for our armed services and how they defend us. But this enemy is not a physical enemy. This enemy is, is spiritual and is mighty and powerful. And don't ever sell that short. I, I think about the enemy, though, here is, is, is spiritual, but the enemy is also is what? Is multiple. Right in the word multiple. There's multiple enemies here on the demonic front, on the, on the satanic front. The scripture really speaks to us in a way that it says that you fight, you fight it in about three ways. You fight against devil and demons, number one. And we know that the devil is real. I'm not going to preach about the devil so much. Secondly, we know that our flesh, and our flesh rises up, and our flesh is wicked, and our flesh is not great. And our flesh gets us in trouble. And the third thing is, we fight an enemy, it's the world. It's the, the, the world would be the principality of rebellion. And we all know about that principality. So these forces of evil, matter of fact, I tell you what I'm going to do. This morning, I brought two Bibles, like I didn't have enough up here. And, but I wanted to um, 
I want to read it from the, from the message this morning. So would you stand with me? Unless you have a copy of the message, you can read along. And it's going to be a little different from Eugene Peterson. But these words are powerful. And you've probably read them so many times. You've gone to sleep or you've been a little, uh, you know, the, the devil's just kind of gotten, you know, you're like, well, yeah, oh, yeah, I know, I know that. You know, it's warfare. Well, yeah, but listen to this. Uh, as I continue to stay, I said, God, just show us. Starting in verse 10. And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. That would be demons. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. And God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Now verses 19 and 20. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, the jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. God, thank you for your holy word. And God, somehow take these passages, these verses today, put them in our hearts. But God, do more than that. Help us to apply truth to our life today. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. That's God's word to us. Now, you, you can look there in your NIV or New King James or New American Standard or New Living Translation. I mean, in a contemporary church, we've got a, all these translations. And I got to just tell you, man, I, I read, you know, I study Greek and Hebrew and all that. I don't, you know, some people are like, well, what about this? About, I, I don't want to fight. If you're reading God's word, I just celebrate the goodness of God and believe God can speak. And the church said, Amen. I'm not going to sit here and fight you about what translation. I mean, I, I got bigger things to fight. I got a devil to fight, okay? We've got principalities. So let's move on. We've got a lot to cover here. There's legions of forces that are against us. In high and heavenly places this morning, there is a, an army that is unseen with the natural eye, but is seriously against us. Who do you think battles you coming to church on Sunday morning? You're like, oh, I thought it was my wife. Don't blame it on your wife anymore. Oh, it's my husband. Oh, it's got to be my kid. It's my dog. My dog always eats my paper. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Oh, it's a guy Starbucks. Man, he just can't get his act together. And we got Dunkin' Donuts come down here, down the road. You're going to start blaming on Dunkin' Donuts for long. Man, look. We got a devil. We got an enemy. He don't want you to get to church, okay? He don't want you to live for Christ. So the, here, the enemy is spiritual. The enemy is multiple. But God wants you to be strong in him. And let's just fill in this blank here. It says God wants you to be strong in him because you're in a spiritual battle against the spiritual forces of darkness. Darkness. Jesus is light. The kingdom of God is represented as light and beautiful and majestic. But the devil in his Guys, his, his army, they bring about the darkness of the soul, the darkness of the day, the darkness of the night here. And they come against us in, in profound ways. 
And our enemy here, I want you to see this. Our enemy filled in is purposeful. Our enemy is extremely purposeful. Oh, it says uh, powerful, and, and that's a good word, but I want you to, to fill in here the word purposeful. Our enemy has schemes, strategies, and tactics. You know, over the years, we've had a number of uh, military officers that have come to our church and studied at the Air War College and ACSC and SACS and all these wonderful things, and they, and they do war games, and they, and they have strategies, and they have tactics, and it's so needed in our world to keep us safe, and I'm grateful for their minds. And, and uh, you know, as you meet new ones, they're coming in, they're going to study all this policy over the next year. It's going to be incredible. And, and we're not even aware, many of us, unless you talk to them, what they're going through. But I will assure you, there is a devil, and there's demons. And they have tactics to take me out and to take you out. And I promise you, if you're not a threat to the kingdom, if you're not really living a righteous life, then there's not much for them to do. They already got you. But if you choose to be godly in Christ Jesus and you follow the Lord, you got a bigger target on your back. I feel like in our church, it's time to stand. We're coming into I2 this fall, the Irresistible Influence Church. You're going to hear about it all fall. I'm not going to preach about it today. I'll do a series on it this fall, the I2 church. And because of that, because of some things that are happening spiritually, I feel like we're under attack as a church. Do you believe that church? Our staff's under attack. The church is under attack. How, how many of you, has anybody's finances in this room been under attack this year? Just raise your hand. Yeah, the rest of your line. No, I mean, the rest of you got plenty of money, then we won't have any more financial problems. Praise the Lord. And how many of you had your health under attack? Yeah. You don't have to raise your hand on this one or you could. How many of you had your marriage under attack? In your friendships? How about your car? Like, you mean that's an attack? I just thought I needed a new one. Well, that might be part of it. Okay, but anyway, th there is an attack here. I want you to look at a verse that's going to come up. It's John 8, 44. And um, it, it says this to us. Or, or actually, it's right there on the worship guide. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. But it goes on to say, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar, and he is the father of lies. That's Lucifer. That's the devil. So he would never speak truth and freedom to you. He'd always speak something in a deceitful manner. I, I, I believe this. Deception and destruction are the ways of the devil. He wants to deceive you. He wants to twist. He wants to pervert the truth of the word of God. And if he can't, he's going to try to distort it in some way. And if the whole goal is he wants to destroy you and me. So in the church, it's time to stand. That's the whole message title here, standing, standing firm. That's my prayer is that we come to Christ, we grow in Christ, we move in Christ, we have joy in Christ, unspeakable, but we also rise up and we stand when we need to stand. That's our posture. We're able to take the offensive, we're able to be defensive. But we're strong in Jesus. We, uh, we don't leave him out. He's our victory David Platt once says, we don't fight for the victory. We fight from the victory that's already been given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. We have the victory here. Spiritual warfare. It's, it's right here on your outline. And it's really, I want you to underline a few words. It says spiritual warfare is any conflict, any challenge, and we all know about conflicts and challenges in here, that threatens my confidence in who God Almighty is and what God is doing. And it tempts me to think or to feel or to act in an ungodly way. You say, well, I, I can identify with that preacher. I've been acting in ungodly, unrighteous manners this week or today or yesterday or last month. 
And that's warfare. And you're, and you're a part of this world, so you have to fight through it. it. It's a battlefield. And we have to take a stand for our faith and for our beliefs. And this morning, the, the truth is, you and I are probably not going to be a gun held on us to uh, make a witness or to die. I mean, we could. Who knows? I say that, and then it could happen. But we have to stand. We have to stand firm in the strength that Jesus Christ gives. We, we don't depend on others to stand for us. Now, we need one another. That's the body of Christ. But you can't depend on somebody else to stand for you. You, you have to stand yourself. Uh, others may be by your side. They're, they're right side margin. Don't relax. There's no time to relax in the body of Christ. This summer, uh, vacations and, and our crowds are all over the page and our faith family is going. And I love August. You can ask Donna. I love August. I love August because the church comes home. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, these chairs fill up and, and new guests and they're coming this summer. And, but if you're not careful, you can tend to kind of let your guard down in the summer. And you kind of can relax your spiritual disciplines. It's a great time to be oppressed by the evil one and to fall away. But here in Ephesians, Paul would say this, put on the full armor of God. He didn't go, hey, put on your shirt and walk out. He goes, put on the full armor. Put on the breastplate, but put on the helmet too. And put on the shoes. And we'll, we'll go through the components of the armor of God. And there's one thing about it. These six components of the armor that he lists, if you tend not to put on one piece, you're in trouble. I mean, have you, have you, ever, have you ever left to go somewhere and you forgot to put on a piece of your clothing? I never will forget the story because I'm in the uh, kidney stone club. Um, a few years ago, we were all, if, if anybody's ever had a kidney stone, everybody's got to try to one-up somebody and trump everybody. So everybody's telling their kidney stone stories. And, and, and then this one woman says, well, you ought to see my husband, what he did. And I thought, oh, okay, well, what did he do? She goes, man, he was in so much pain. We ran down, we jumped in the car, went to the hospital. We got to the hospital and the door opened and he jumped out. And it says the nurse looked at him and said, kidney stone. I said, what? The, the nurse had discernment to know your husband had a kidney stone with no diagnosis. He said, yeah, he forgot to put his pants on. <laughs> he was just in so much pain, he left. And why not? Yeah, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. But spiritually, it's not so attractive to go out without your helmet or to go out without your armor. I mean, it's just it's embarrassing. You know what else I've learned about the devil? He goes to the weakest link. He will try to pick off the person that's weak, that's not built up in the word of Jesus. That's why I keep saying, man, we've got to get in the Word. We've got to be Word-focused and Word-centered. Let's look at these six pieces of the armor about putting on the, the attire of God. God, I want to be effective in your service, so I, I need to put on your wardrobe. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 is all about warfare. It's all about putting on the armor, as we've read. He's the father of lies here. We, we, we have to know for certain. In John 17, 17, just write it down in the margin. John 17, 17, the Word of God says, your Word is truth, God. Your Word is truth. You hear a lot of things every day. You hear a lot of rhetoric. But I'm going to tell you, there is one thing that's eternal, and it's the word of the Lord Jesus Christ Almighty, and it will stand through the ages. Hide it in your heart. Get to know him. Get to know his word. Let it dwell in you. Let it, let it bear fruit. So these, these pieces of the armor here, you know, I could, I could preach on this forever, but God's really trying to get us to say, I, I want you to put on these pieces. I want you to put on the belt of truth. I want you to put on this truth, and the truth is his word. And, and God, when I begin to, to, to put on truth, it, it means I'm, I'm, I'm more attached to you. Lord, I, I want to be, uh, be righteous. I, I was doing some study on this, and, and I ran across this thing that Tony Evans said, and it really helps me about the righteousness of Christ, about really here having this belt of truth, but putting on the breastplate of righteousness. He says it this way. 
He says, the opposite of righteousness is wrongness. And we all know, I mean, does anybody need a definition about what wrongness is? Could you name somebody's name? Don't. Yeah, that's wrongness. And then hopefully you can name somebody's name and say, that looks like righteousness. But he goes on in this story and he says that righteousness is the application of truth in the life of a believer. Righteousness, I apply the truth of Jesus to my life. I'm, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on his truth. But he said it's like this. There's like, there's trash in the house. I don't know if you've ever had trash in your house. Of course you have. And and if you don't pick up the trash and it gets there, it begins to kind of sour. It begins to get a little gross. And what it is, when you don't put out the trash, it's an invitation to the roaches to come. You're going, well, Pastor, I want to go to lunch when I get through. This is kind of a gross illustration. I know that's the way sin is. And when you don't put the trash out in your life and invites roaches and ants and insects to come and, and to, they, have a, they have a legal right, if you will, to come because you didn't do your job. You didn't put out the trash. When we don't put on the righteousness of Christ, when we don't dress ourselves in the blood of Christ and the righteousness of Christ, we, we, um, we just kind of throw things to the side. We just kind of push the trash over. There's one thing about trash. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever walked into your house before? And, and I feel like, you know, that was my, joy, my job as a kid. It's still my job. I'm 53 years old. I still get to take the trash out. Get over it, Keith. Okay. It's just my job. But I'm grateful to take out the trash. I'm grateful to have the sanitation to pick it up. And I'm grateful because, you know, you, you know, if your house, you know, if you don't let the trash out and you walk into your kitchen, there's this aroma. And it's not like, let's all have dinner and everybody come. It's gross. So we take the trash a lot because we want our house to smell good. And the thing in the natural, when you don't take the trash, the trash finds you out, doesn't it? Your wife or your husband comes home and goes, son, boy, girl, you didn't take the trash out. They just know spiritually when we don't take the trash out of our life we're unattractive spiritually to the lord we're unattractive to others our, our witness just goes south so he begins to talk to us here about putting on this breastplate of righteousness let me tell you what righteousness does here righteousness covers your heart you put on that breastplate it protects your heart your being your emotions your feelings, who, who you are, the, the core of who the person is, how we're made right in our heart through the precious blood of Christ. So they would go in battle and they would have to put on this breastplate of righteousness. And, and this morning, God would say to you and me, I want you to be clothed in me. I, I pray this prayer every single day. I pray this morning. It, it's just it's habit for me. It's, it's discipline. It's desire. Lord Jesus, robe me in your righteousness. I put on my breastplate of righteousness today. God, I want to be protected in my heart. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says uh, here, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus applies his righteousness to you and me. And then, he, so he, he says here, put on this belt of truth, that the truth adheres to you. you. You cling to the truth. The truth is God's word, and the devil would love to come against that. And then he goes on here, and he goes, put on this breastplate of righteousness, but then he says, the shoes of the gospel. And I don't want you to think, I want you to look down at your shoes right now. Some of you got flops on and sandals and boots and shoes and tennis shoes and whatever and new shoes. And you want to come up here and walk on the stage and let everybody see your shoes. And Jesus says, put on your shoes. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. He says, you see, and I always get into this like, I put on the shoes of the gospel. And that means when I put on my shoes, I carry the gospel. But that's not for preachers only. That's for believers. Do you believe that, church? 
Every one of you, you are to put on the shoes of the gospel that you can carry the good news of Jesus to your world. But it doesn't stop there. He says, put on the shoes of the gospel, but I want you to read on. Because somehow I tend to miss this many times. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Jesus says, put on peace. Aren't you glad he said that? Put on peace. Put on the gospel of peace. Walk in my peace. Isn't that what everybody wants? Well, I, I thought people wanted a lot of money. Well, people want money. You want help. But at the end of the day, you want peace. Jesus, guard my heart, my mind, and the peace that you have, Jesus. Give me peace to walk out this life. I put on the shoes of the gospel of peace because they're going out. They're, they're going to be ready to do battle. And, this, and the soldiers in those days, they, they wore special sandals. And on the bottom of those sandals, they would have like these spikes. And these spikes would dig into the ground and they would have firm footing. And that's what it means to resist the devil and to stand firm in Jesus Christ that you don't fall down. And it looked like a joke or to be destroyed by the enemy. You want to stand firm in his power sharing the gospel and when you share the gospel it gives peace to other people if they receive the gospel the gospel is good news it's great news you see i believe in colorado that there's going to be a lot of new believers in the next month i, I just believe that I, I believe there's going to be new opportunities to share the love of christ with people i pray i, I don't pray but I, I know a lot of people are hurting and they're going to be open to the realities of jesus to spiritual things. Some people are going to be really mad at God. And my God is so great, God can handle our, our humanness and he can handle our honesty. You know, I don't know why I'm saying that, but somebody needs to hear that today. Be honest with God. Quit faking it. Just be as real as you can with him. Your God can handle your honesty. And the body of believers said, I believe that. All the time people are like, well, I don't know, man. I couldn't tell God how I really feel. Really? He made you? He knows you? He knows every thought you've had or will have, and you're not going to be honest. You're going to try to hide from Abba? That's dumb. Be honest. Let's move on through here. So we have been justified through faith with peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 1. So the next three pieces, then he goes, okay, so you got a belt of truth. you got a breastplate of righteousness. you got the shoes of the gospel. Now I want you to carry this shield of faith. Now this shield of faith is always interesting. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's to be worn all the time, it, but, or the other ones are worn, but, you, but the shield, you, don't, you, you can kind of sit out here to the side. But then when you get it ready to go out on the battlefield, you take up the shield of faith. Because that shield of faith is really, really important. If, if, if a warrior's out there in battle and there's missiles and there's things coming at them, they, they want to shield, uh, they want to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. They want to be victorious. I mean, we want to be victorious. We're, there's two primary kinds of shields here. There was one that was a small round shield, and it was about two foot in diameter, and it was light enough, and, and, and the warrior could just hold up the shield, and, and they could run around with that shield. No big deal. Okay, that's a good shield. But then there was another one that was about two and a half feet wide, four foot tall. And in those days, they were probably smaller than we are for the most part. You, you had a few giants, I understand, but, but most people were shorter. And you could, or you could crouch down and you could hide your whole body behind the shield. And he says, take up the shield of faith. He's saying, get behind it that all the flaming darts that come to you, they can't hit you. But a lot of times we don't take the shield of faith. We just let missiles come and burn us and... 
They get after our hearts, and, and it's, it's just it, it's a tough deal. But we, we, we don't hide behind Christ. We, we um, you know, we, and, and, the, and the, what I learned years ago studying this, these shields would, would lock together. So it would form like a wall. And the people would, uh, would really be safe. There would be this like, you couldn't penetrate this wall of defense. And to me, that's a picture of the body of Christ. When we put on the armor of God together individually, when we come in corporately, we're a wall of defense against the devil and his schemes. Isn't that good news, church? Man, it is, this is just incredible truth. And we extinguish the flaming darts. And, and it says the tips of those arrows those days were wrapped in cloth. They were soaked in pitch. They were set on fire. And they would go out and they would shoot them at the person. But these shields would be metal. If they were wood, they would just catch on fire. And you got a bigger problem you thought you had. And in this one, we hide behind Christ. And he's, he's our breastplate. He's our protector. Because, let me just say this. You might write it down. If you don't put on your shield, if you don't carry your shield, you're exposed in a way that you don't want to be exposed to the enemy. You're, you're going to lose. So these, these, uh, these, these errors that come, you're saying, well, where are these errors? I've, I've never felt an error. Yes, you have. Let me give you some. Write them down. Here's some errors that come to you and me every day. See if you can identify. Temptation, fear, anger, pride, lust, doubt, discouragement, depression. Have I hit anybody? Has anybody identified with any of those yet? Have any of those missiles been fired at you? Any of those darts come at you? Sure they have. If you're breathing, they are. And he says, I want to protect you. But as I was studying for this, it's in Proverbs 30. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield of those who take refuge in him. Psalm 33, 20. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our hope and our shield. I love how the word of God all connects Old and New Testaments. In Jesus, the Word of God is a shield. So it, it protects us. It, it, it keeps us safe for the battle. These, these darts come. The frequency of them, they're, they're more from others. And another thing that happens here on this whole shield of faith is that uh, I've noticed that the, the devil really likes to whisper. He, he likes to speak things into our life. You know, uh, you've really messed up. Some Christian you are. You blew it. God can never use you again. Has anybody ever heard that whisper but me? You're a Christian? You're a pastor? Pastors don't do that. I mean, you know, a lot of times people give us more credit than we get, should get, and sometimes they blame us more, but, you know, that's just life. But, the, you know, you get more credit than you should get, and you get less or whatever. But the thing is, it, it, it's just the way it is. We, just things come at us, but the devil loves to plant lies in our hearts. And, and the opposite of that is we plant the truth of God in our heart. And God, what do you say about me? God, what do you believe about me? Lord, I don't, I don't want to look at my problems. I want to look at your promises. God, your word is a promise. Promise is. Your word is truth. God, your word is a shield. Lord, I want to hide myself in you. And, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, the enemy loves for you and I to focus on negative, depressing thoughts. Would anybody agree with that? He just loves for us to be negative. You see, I'm an exhorter, and it's one of my spiritual gifts. But I got to tell you, I also got the little negativity card I can pull out too. Now, I really like to exhort. That's my primary gift. I flow in that. There's joy in that. But I am human. And if I'm not careful, I get that little negativity card. 
And I get negative as anybody. And, and some of you are saying, well, Pastor, why don't you come to my house? I'm negative all the time. Oh, no, I don't I rebuke you in Jesus' name. No, get rid of that. Negative thoughts depress you. We need to have a transformed mind this morning, church. And he's going to talk to us about here. Put on the helmet, man. But we're not quite there. I just, I, I just somebody needs to hear that because you're beating yourself up. And the shield of faith here protects us. And don't believe the lies. They're from the pit of hell. But then he goes, now, choose a gospel, shield of faith, put on your helmet of salvation. Put on the crown. Put on the helmet. Put it on your head. You know, it'd be funny going to a football game, wouldn't it? And they all went, hey, we ain't wearing helmets today. We are man. Man, hear me roar. Arr! Hear me be stupid. <laughs> you know? It just, it wouldn't be very fun. I mean, you need a helmet. And they have all these studies, and now they have all these football players they interview, and, you know, they act like they're half-brain dead, because they are. I mean, they've just pounded themselves. I mean, unmerciful. Somehow, I love the sport of football. I know it's grueling, it's fun, but there's just some things I think about it, I'm not sure how smart it is. I mean, it does amazing things to your body. You ever talk to a lot of pro football players, and they kind of drag a leg around like that, you know, or their arms kind of like this? Like on Sunday, you know when we love to watch our guys play football and they're shooting them up with steroids and every kind of drug? Hey, man, we've got to get one more game, one more game. You know, you make up $75,000 a game. Hey, get in the game, get in the game. And then after season, they're walking around like this. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. So he tells us here, but put on the helmet. The helmet's smart because what does the helmet protect? Your mind. Put on the helmet of salvation. Salvation, I'd write, salvation just means deliverance. You put on the salvation of the Lord. You, you, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Lord, you are hope. Jesus, you are salvation. I want to put on that. I, I want to protect my, my, my thinking here. Jesus, I put on that helmet, and that helmet really signifies the finished work of the cross. And the helmet just protects how I have the mind of Christ. I, I set my mind on things above. I set my heart on things above. Jesus, I, I just need to center in on you. Lord, I, I need your way. I need to depend on you, Lord. But some of you this morning, you're saying, well, I'll put on the shoes. I, I'll put on the breastplate. I, I'll put on the belt, preacher. Yeah, I'll put on that. Yeah, I'll carry the shield. I ain't putting no helmet on. I ain't. Like, okay, this analogy just came to me. So if it didn't totally work, I probably shouldn't try it out, but I think it's going to work. It just, it just hit me in the moment. When, when I was a kid, we rode bicycles a lot. We never had a helmet. Didn't even know what a helmet was. When our kids were born and started coming up, they came up with these really cute helmets. And I used to look at Rachel and Hannah and go, Rachel and Hannah, I go, do y'all have your helmet on? Dad. And, and I have great pictures and videos of my girls riding bicycles with helmets. It's amazing. They're not brain damaged and they're healthy and, and everything. And you're saying, yeah, I know that. And some of you are like professional bicyclists. And I know Jeff Bush has done all the cycling. He gets out and wears his helmet. I just got a little problem. I ride a bike. I kind of ride a leisure bike. And I don't want to put on a helmet. I don't know what it is. I'm just a little hard-headed. But you know what? If I wreck, I'm going to wish I had a helmet on, aren't I? How about you? How many of you want to ride your bicycle with a helmet? Let's be honest. How many of you want to ride your bicycle with a helmet? Okay, how many of you even ride bicycles? Y'all, like, I ain't doing no exercise. You do it. Okay. <laughs> if you ride a bicycle, there's nothing cute about a helmet. A helmet stinks. It's sweaty. It's hot. 
But if you fall, if you wreck on the helmet and you go into some kind of trauma or into a force, you're going to be glad you had your helmet on. And when you go into this spiritual battle, and we all do, you're going to want the helmet of salvation on. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect me. God, I need the helmet of salvation to put every day. I don't want to go out uncovered in battle. And then he goes down there. He goes, now take up the sword of the spirit. Take up the sword of the truth. Take up the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon that he lifts in the armor of God. It's the only offensive. And, and he puts it there and he goes, and this is going to help you launch out an all-out attack. And then the devil's going to come against you. And he goes, so did God really say? But when we know God's word, we know truth. And this morning, the devil is not using any new tactics. He's using the same tactics he used thousands of years ago. As he did in the garden. Did God really say that? Sure he did. When God, he, the devil wants you and me to cast doubt on God's holy word. He wants to plant doubt in us. And God wants us to overcome that. He wants us to, to persevere. He wants us to overcome. There's false prophets. I could preach about that. There's false teachers and prophets all out in the world. And there's some on TV, and man, it just makes me sick. But when we have God's word, we can have the sword of the spirit. We can stand victorious, and we become expert, if you will, in the field as we study the word of God. And we put on this breastplate, but now we take up this helmet. Now we take the sword of the spirit, and we fight the good fight of faith. So this morning, God would just say, church, stand. Just stand firm in my mighty strength, in my power. There's a battle. But I, I want you to know this. He doesn't stop there. He talks about the armor, but I want you to see this real quick because i got to move there really, really quickly. It's critical. In verse 19 and 20, he's given six parts to the armor, six components of the armor, the head, the breastplate, the belt, the shoes, the shield, the sword. You got it. You got six. Okay. I put them on every day. I always encourage you, put on the armor of God, the full armor. But then there's a seventh. What? Oh, you only listed six, preacher. Look here, six pieces of armor. I, I read it on my worship guide. Good. It's wrong. No, it's right. Six pieces of armor. But I think there's a seventh. And I find it there. Look with me. In verses 18 through 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fiercely as I should. You know what the seventh piece of the armor is? Prayer. Put on prayer. Be a praying church. Be a praying believer. This morning, we're going to do an exercise in a few moments called uh, body life. But right before I get there, I just want to say there's a, a quote that's going to come up. Prayer is the starting and ending place for the believers in Jesus Christ. Prayer is where we start and prayer is where we end. And here, after he tells the believers to put on the armor of God, he says, hey, I want you to pray. Four times here in these little short verses, he talks about prayer. And he says, the battle's intense and you need to be a warrior. Church, I'm begging you, join the intercession. Join the prayer movement of God. Prayer is warfare. Prayer is not an easy button. Prayer is part of the battle. If you don't understand the enemy, you won't pray. But we have an adversary, and he's spiritual. But we have a spiritual, eternal, mighty, all-powerful, reigning king. He is Jesus. And he does battle in heavenly places. And he tells us here, 
I want you to have these truths. I want my word to shape you. Just a couple of truths. You can just write it down at the bottom. I left your room. The battle never stops. Pray all the time. I wish the battle stopped. I wish I could tell you at year 10 in Jesus Christ, the battle will let up. At year 25, you will get a pen and the battle will be over. And I lied. I've been walking with Christ since 1978. And the battle is more intense today than it's ever been. I believe my life counts more today than it's ever counted. I believe your life counts more. How about you, church? Do you believe that? The prayer's on. Well, I meant to say the battle's on. I wish the prayer was on. Okay. So we, we pray at all times. Here's the battle's bigger than you and me. And the scripture says pray in the spirit. Man, pray all kinds of prayers. Pray all the times. Pray with the fullness. Ephesians 6, 18. Then pray broadly. Pray all types of prayer. Make supplication to the Lord. Make intercession. Honor Him. Bless Him. Pray for those in the battle. Engage in the battle. Engage in global warfare. Engage in something beyond yourself. That's why this morning it was an honor for us to pray for Colorado. It's an honor for us to pray for these countries on the back walls. It's an honor for us to take the gospel to the world. It's the promise and it's the hope of Jesus. But you know what? We're going to be distracted. And the devil wants to put us to sleep. And ah, don't, don't get too radical. Don't, don't, don't pray too much, you know. And the enemy, he's out to devour you in me. He's devouring marriages in our midst. He's devouring kids. He's devouring finances. He's devouring bodies. Can I paint it any clear? The devil has one goal is to destroy you and jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full as you trust in him and this battle is difficult and you keep alert and you you persevere and you 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 don't lag back and you pray through all kind of issues and you build into your schedule opportunities to pray and that's what i just want you to write quickly on the the margin would you pray Would, would you take opportunities here just to pray pray every day and this morning I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get there. I, I just, I could talk to you about this all day. Hey, would you just do this? There in the Bible, in Ephesians 6, when it says in verse 19 and 20, don't forget to pray for me. Would you do that for your pastor? Would you do that? Would you do that, church? Yes. I, I need your prayers. Because it's tough. This is the hardest assignment I've ever had. Being a, a shepherd. It's humbling. It's virtually impossible. But the word of God says, with God, all things are possible.